It's New Comics Day, Wednesday, June 29th, 2016, and you're listening to God and Comics, the show where, unlike DC Rebirth, on our show, Rebirth happens in baptism, it's longer than 80 pages, and it won't cost you $2.99 because it's offered free of charge. Amen. On today's show, (laughs) Secret Identities. Most of our favorite superheroes have had them historically, but today it's becoming less and less common. What is the purpose of secret identities? Are they even plausible anymore in the age of social media? And when will Father Matt finally tell us who he really is? We'll answer all these questions and more. Plus, our recommendation, this or that, and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am Rector of Church of the Holy Comforter in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. On the line with me today is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I'm at Church of the Messiah in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And Father Matt uh, Stromberg is also on the line here today. Father Matt, where are you? I'm at Christ Church, Cooperstown. This will be your last uh, uh, podcast from Christchurch because you're taking a new position, right? That's right. I, I, I've been called to be the rector of uh, St. George's in Schenectady, New York. And so uh, my family and I will be moving out there to, to uh, begin our ministry and, and a new phase of our life uh, in the beginning of August. So we're very excited about that. So uh, next time... Uh, we introduce ourselves on the podcast. I'll be coming to you from St. George's Connected. Yeah, and uh, for those of you listening who are not uh, as well-versed in Episco speak, um, a rector is the pastor of a parish. Um, so uh, Father Matt will be uh, the, the head honcho, the guy in charge, uh, numero uno, uh, the big cheese, um, the uh, the uh, main enchilada. This is really making me hungry at this point. Um, so, congratulations on that. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a big step and very excited, like I said. Yeah. Well, so friends, this will be our last show of this season. Uh, We'll start in with with new episodes on season three of God and Comics, uh, probably the end of September or beginning of October thereabouts. But, uh, you know, season two seems to have gone pretty well. You guys uh, enjoyed our our second, uh, second season of God and Comics? Yeah, yeah, it was great. I, Auntie, it's been, it's been a great season. So, uh, you know, pressure's on for season three. Yeah, well, well, right. you know, we had some great guests this season. Some of them we'll see again next season, plus some new uh, folks um, already starting to line some of that stuff up and uh, great new topics and stuff like that. Um, but if any of you out there, listeners, uh, are interested in hearing us talk about anything particular, um, feel free to uh, email us, uh, con- connect with us through the email at our website, godandcomics.com. We'd We'd love to hear from you, and and um, uh, as we're planning out topics for season three, add in some of those sorts of things. But we've still got to finish out season two first, um, and uh, finishing with what I'm sure will be a strong recommendation, Father Matt. 
So this week I want to recommend a very uh, exciting uh, graphic novel by the critically acclaimed science fiction author uh, Harlan Ellison and uh, with, with artwork by the equally uh, magnificent uh, Paul Chadwick, who is most famous for his work on Concrete, which is a series I recommended on an earlier podcast. Um, but the name of the graphic novel is called Seven Against Chaos, and it was originally a four-issue series uh, published by DC Comics. It has a kind of a classic, almost uh, Kirby, Stan Lee feel to it, uh, as far as the, the look and, and the, uh, the characters. It takes place in the far future, where the human race has populated uh, the, the whole solar system and, and, and different places in, in, in uh, the galaxy, and they have genetically altered human beings to give them powers. For instance, one of the characters is, is a super intelligent crossbreed of a human and an insect. His name is Tantulus. And, and so it, the story, which is based on, on the uh, Magnificent Seven, um, so uh, it, you know, it kind of follows that, that, that famous uh, pattern that a lot of stories have followed of, of, of the, the group of seven misfits, which is why it's called Seven Against Chaos. Um, and they're, they're collected by uh, a robed, mysterious figure. And, and so the, the first uh, part of the story starts off with him visiting uh, the different uh, members that will make up the team. And uh, so, for instance, there is uh, Morna, who is a, a kind of Amazonian woman uh, who's enslaved on, on sort of a planet where they're doing mining. And, and she's this giant, beautiful, statuesque woman, but she has these steel claws for hands. Um, sort of a unique character. One of the other characters is is a masked burglar named Horn. Uh, another is a robot named uh, Ur, kind of following the Isaac Asimov take on on on, on, uh, on robots. And the the beautiful uh, imprisoned lady a- Aileen, who is sort of like a a, a gladiator. Um, and there's a, the disgraced genius, uh, Kenris, uh, and, and we've already mentioned Tantulus, the bug man. Um, so all of these are assembled by this mysterious hooded figure to help um, combat a threat to uh, reality. All over uh, the Earth, there has been these mysterious happenings in the nature of reality. People have been spontaneously combusting. Things are disappearing. There's all sorts of uh, unusual phenomena happening. And someone is at work uh, messing with the fabric of reality. Um, so uh, th- this this book is, is more fun than a barrel of highly evolved insect men. Um, <laughs> and it has a great villain. The, the, the villain, um, not to, well, I, I, think, I, I think I could go into this a bit. He is, he is a lizard man. So his plot is to go back and alter the history of evolution so that 
the mammals don't get ascendance, but but the uh, the lizards, the reptilian uh, race does, and so they have to go back in time and stop his plot to change the course of evolutionary history. It's a fascinating and and uh, and very inventive uh, story with uh, great artwork that's just sort of uh, very colorful and and uh, evocative. It, it, the the writing is is, is superb. It, it it has that like I said that Stan Lee feel, but it's a bit darker, a bit more uh, edgy and contemporary than than Stan Lee. Uh, but I, I I I happened to stumble across this uh, this graphic novel looking for. Uh, other work by Paul Chadwick. I've really in- enjoyed his stuff. And I saw that he collaborated with Harlan Ellison. I was very excited about that. Um, if, if you don't know, uh, Harlan Ellison uh, wrote a lot of science fiction short stories. He's also written a lot for television, such as Star Trek uh, and The Twilight Zone and things like that. Um, so this is this is definitely worth checking out. I, I very highly recommend it. Didn't Ellison write some Batman too? Some of the, um, or am I making that up? No, he actually. What happened was he wrote one episode oh, that right, involved right. Two Face, and it never got aired. Yeah. Um, so they uh, and they never actually filmed it, but he had written the script and they converted it into a comic book recently. Yeah. Okay. He's done some comic books in the past as well. I think as early as the seventies. I think he. Uh, wrote some some stuff for the Avengers or something like that. But he he is uh, he he's sort of uh, been a long time uh, comic book enthusiast, and a lot of his stories were converted into comic books. Um, so it, it it's great to have this work from him. Good. Yeah, sounds really interesting. Good. All right. Well, uh, now that we have revealed the secret of this week's recommendation. We will uh, move into uh, the other secret this week, secret identities. That was a really terrible transition. Um, (laughs) And uh, I should be fired from podcasting, and uh, all of the money I make from this program should be taken from me. Okay. Um, So let's uh, start into uh, our conversation about secret identities. We'll start with the question... You know, what is the purpose of secret identities? Because, of course, so many of the, you know, now this is really, this is only a superhero comic issue, but um, all of the big superheroes going back um, to the Golden Age uh, had secret identities. They had their identity as a hero, and then they had a secret identity living as, uh, you know, one of us. And uh, and these the secret identities were very heavily guarded. Either nobody knew, or in in a few cases, only a person here or there knew. Um, why was this a, a thing? Why has it been a thing? What's the purpose of it, Father Kyle? What 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 do you think the answer to that is? Well, I think it's never been explicitly stated as such, but I think that there are are two um, reasons why, going back to the Golden Age, you see superheroes having secret identities. The first one, which has kind of come out more recently as a, as a reason for secret identities existing, is the fact that um, they seek to protect their families. They don't want their families to come to harm 
should the supervillains ever find out who they are. You know, families can obviously be used as pawns and targets in the battles that they have. Um, so that would be one of the reasons why secret identities exist. I think the second I reason for it is more or less the idea that if the hero were to go out and act on his own, exposed, then he would easily become a target for the law. He would easily become a target for the authorities. Um, most of the heroes are acting as vigilantes, especially in the golden age. When you get into the, the late golden age, things take a little bit of a turn. Batman becomes a deputized officer of the law, and and same thing seems to happen with other heroes. But early on and even now, most of them are vigilantes. And as vigilantes, um, that means they're operating outside of the confines of the law, and they're subject to the law in the same way that any vigilante would be subject to the law. So um, they take up a secret identity, so it's not known who is doing the acting in that capacity. Um, so I would think that those are two of the real root reasons why heroes have taken on super uh, secret identities. I'm sure that there are more to it than that, but that at least gets our foot in the door with this topic. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, Father Kyle makes a good point when he talks about the vigilante issue. And, and if you look at the history of the superhero genre, it's, it's rooted in, in pulp magazines. But even earlier than that, I think you could trace it back to sort of some of the romanticism in the American West of the outlaw. And, and, and of course, these, these Western stories of the, of the outlaw, of the, of the gunfighter, became, um, um, you know, a, a, a big subject of, of, of pulp novels and, 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 and so forth. And, and so superheroes are kind of an extension of that, of that mythos in, in, in some respects. I also think that there is that there's sort of a, a psychological or a literary reason for the existence of, of, of secret identities in superheroes. Superheroes are, they're fantasies. They're fantasies, especially early on for, for um, adolescents, someone for, for them to uh, project their, their own kind of um, secret wishes for, for power and, and strength. And, um, and so the idea that someone has a secret identity, that there is actually a whole lot more to them than anybody realizes, but it's a secret, you know, that, that, that they sort of um, shift and, and they might be um, the sort of uh, clumsy, disrespected, mild-mannered reporter or a photographer or, or whatever it is the secret identity is, it's usually sort of a, a weak uh, kind of <laughs> character. But secretly, um, they have this other identity, this, this strength. Um, and, and, and during the night uh, or, or whatever it is, they, they, uh, they, ha they have more power and, and, and they have the... Uh, acclaim of the public and, and, and the admiration of the, uh, the leading lady in this story. I, you know, I think that there's that kind of real um, psychological uh, 
uh, motivation for having the, the, the secret identity. It's satisfying in that respect. That's a good point, Father Matt. And, you know, one of the things, this I think about this in particular with Batman, thinking of that psychological perspective on secret identities, there's always been a question with Batman, at least since the 1970s and on, um, as to who the real identity is. Is he predominantly Batman, or is Bruce Wayne the secret identity? And to some extent, you could ask that question of all the heroes, um, is the hero the real man, mm-hmm. or is the the person that they are in the daily life um, the real person? And so yeah. wh- which becomes the secret identity and which becomes the real identity? And I think when you take that psychological approach to it, you do start to say, in our heart of hearts, we always wish that truly we're the heroes and the secret identity can be the uh, the bumbling, clumsy Clark Kent guy, you know? Um, he becomes the not real one. And that plays into the fantasy that we all have of wanting to be something more and something better and something greater than perhaps what we really are. Well, looking at just looking at Superman and the history of Superman, where we start to, you know, we I mean, Superman is the paradigmatic superhero. He's the first superhero. And many people have have commented on this. Um, I think Glenn Weldon's book on Superman, um, Superman, the unauthorized biography or something like that, uh, talks about this, that Siegel and Schuster were being um, purposeful in in creating Clark Kent um, in drawing a parallel almost with themselves. You know, here they're these kind of um, you know, weak guys and and sort of geeky guys that uh, that don't get that much attention, um, but uh, but Superman is inside of, of of Clark Kent, and so here you have this this character who um, from the outside in he's always being judged um, incorrectly because people don't realize that on the inside he is he is something greater and something more. But another of the reasons why um, the secret identity becomes a thing, continuing to think about this in, in terms of Superman particularly, I think is, is uh, also the desire to live a normal life that, uh, that, you know, that lies at the heart of it. I mean, Superman wants to be Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. He doesn't you know i mean he's he it's not that he's he's not not that he's hiding inside of clark kent but he wants to have that life he doesn't necessarily have to do all of the stuff that he does as clark kent but he does because um it's something that that he needs it's something that grounds him whereas i think for somebody like batman you could argue batman is bruce wayne because there are advantages to uh-huh. uh, to Bruce Wayne, you know, the, the money and uh, the, the stuff like that 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 helps him to be Batman. Uh, uh-huh. But if he had a choice, he would probably just, you know, be done with the whole thing and never go to another party or <laughs> um, another board meeting and just kind of devote himself full time to uh, to this Batman thing. Yeah, which is which you see clearly in the Batman of the last thirty to forty years, the actual storylines involving Bruce Wayne have greatly diminished. 
more often than not, Bruce Wayne only makes an appearance when he's in the Batcave. And uh, mm-hmm. that's when he's eating a sandwich before he goes out to fight the crime, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it would be great to have a, a really good um, Bruce Wayne story. That would be something worth, uh, you know... If, who's, the, who's the new writer on Batman? Tom King? Yeah, Tom if it, King. Tom, if you're listening... We would love a really great Bruce Wayne story, so think about that. Have you guys seen uh, the movie Kill Bill by uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie? Yep. So do you remember there's this great scene in, in that film um, with with David Carradine? Uh, that's the actor, right, who plays Bill in the movie. Yes. And, you know, in, in true Tarantino fashion, you know, he has this great kind of like a monologue, you know, and, uh, and he's going off about superheroes. Um, and he's talking about secret identities and he, he's saying, uh, you know, he loves superheroes and, and, uh, you know, he says something like, um, you know, superheroes, uh, most of them, they have the secret identity, but they really are their mundane self, you know, um, like Sp- Spider-Man is, 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 you know, really Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Batman is really Bruce Wayne. But just his favorite superhero is uh, is Superman. And it's been a while since I, I saw the movie, but I remember this because he said um, Superman, it's the opposite. He's really mm-hmm. Superman. Clark Kent is the secret identity. And he's like, he's an alien. And Clark Kent is his persona, and he says, Clark Kent, that's the way he sees us, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, that it's this uh, sort of, um, you know, attempt at, at, at being human, and, and, and Clark Kent is his invention. Uh, I, th- I thought that was a really interesting scene, and maybe it changed the way I thought about uh, Superman and the dynamic of his secret identity. So the secret identity then can be almost a kind of social mimicry, Yes. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people could probably identify with that, the idea that you have to create some kind of persona for yourself in order to function in the in the world. Um, right. But that isn't necessarily you at your core. Right. Yeah. Wonder Woman functions very much in the same way, you know, when you think about it. Her true self really is Diana, um, you know, the hero Wonder Woman, but mm-hmm. but the Diana Prince um, is very much a way to function in in the normal world, right? Yes, and in fact, you know, Wonder Woman has never really fit well with the whole idea of secret identity, and mm-hmm. the only reason I think that she's ever had one is because she appeared in an era when that's what you did, mm-hmm. you attached a secret identity. Uh, but she's gone in and out of it over the years. She's had more than one. Um, she did go through a period in the 70s where she gave up her powers and basically just became Diana Prince and started fighting people wearing a karate gi and all that kind of stuff. Um, right. But, uh, but, she became the Emma Peel of yeah. the DC Universe. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's she can kind of take it or leave it. And it's not, you know, it's, I would say, actually, the television show probably created more of a Wonder Woman secret identity that was 
you know that that connected to her as a, on a deeper level as a character than anything that had come in the comics before. Um, but um, all of these things seem to be falling out of favor at this point. You know, both in comics and in comics-related media, I, I, you, I, I see two phenomenon happening now. Um, one is that a lot of heroes just don't have secret identities anymore. Either they've given them up in some sort of dramatic way, like Daredevil uh, showing the whole world that he's Matt Murdock in the comics, or they um, they never really had one. A lot of sort of newer heroes are, are kind of being created without one. Um, or what happens in some of the uh, other media outside of comics is that they start out with a secret identity and very quickly experience expose the truth to so many people that it just becomes absurd so like think about you know the berlanti shows for instance arrow and the flash Mm -hmm. and you know and you see what i mean there's almost no character on any of those shows who doesn't know the truth anymore (laughs) whereas you know back in the day when they would do these shows there would be one or two people just so that they could have some kind of dramatic tension and dialogue there would be one or two people who would know but now it's like ah, nobody's gonna know it's gonna be just you know um uh well now okay now we'll share with everybody um so i i wonder what you guys think why has this um fallen out of favor the idea of secret identities well, I, I think that um, as we, as at least I was saying earlier about uh, early on comic books being uh, written for adolescents and being kind of like a power fantasy, I think that element of, of, of comic books is sort of diminished somewhat. Um, comic books tend to be, be written more for uh, adults uh, today, and um, and. And, and there's more of an emphasis on, on, on realism. Um, and, and so the secret identity sometimes can, can seem a bit contrived. Like, I, you know, I, I think one of the uh, more dramatic examples was in the Iron Man movie, the first Iron Man movie. And, um, you know, in the comic books, for some reason, you know, uh, Tony Stark always hid the fact that he was Iron Man. And, Iron, and you know, Iron Man was like his bodyguard and... and uh, and and they they kind of set it up like it might go in that direction um, w- with the first film. And at the end of the film, he's just like, "I have an announcement to make." He's like, "I am Iron Man," <laughs> you know, because really, uh, if Tony Stark is the uh, kind of showboat that he's made out to be, you know, why would he hide the fact that he was Iron Man? Um, it's all about the glory, right? Um, yeah, I, I I agree. You know, I, I, I do think that part of it probably stems also from the era that we live in, not only just in terms of we're a little more uh, cynical um, about some of these things, but also, you know, we do live in an era where uh, we have lots of social media and lots of other things and people are constantly posting pictures of themselves and so on and so forth and information spreads very quickly uh and it's just it's 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 hard to believe that somebody would be able to contain their identity um you know it seems it's kind of funny because you'd think the secret identity is probably the most plausible piece 
of of the puzzle with with superheroes. I mean, you know, the the idea of a Kryptonian uh, is not exactly one that um, that is tremendously likely to happen. And yet, I think in our in our day and age, people find it a lot easier to believe that there's a guy who came from an exploded planet who can shoot rays out of his eyes and pick up cars than it is to believe that that same guy walks around as a newspaper reporter with a pair of glasses on and nobody seems to notice the difference. Um, that's... That was that was the whole commentary last year on Superman, you know, in, in both Superman Action and Superman Wonder Woman and Batman Superman comics. There was a storyline where Superman's been, his identity as Clark Kent gets exposed, right. and it gets exposed over something akin to, like, Facebook. Um, right. You know, and it just, uh, it really pointed to that very thing, that it's, it's hard to keep a secret in today's world. Right, like but, but here's the irony. There are people who do, right? Um, think about somebody like Banksy, for instance. Are you guys familiar with Banksy? No. Banksy is a pretty well-known street artist um, from England. And, you know, he does these uh, incredible, crazy, often sort of socially um, uh, socially activist kind of drawings on the sides of buildings and on schools and cars and so on and so forth. Um, and uh, he is, you know, wanted by police for... for various acts of vandalism and so forth he's he's done all kinds of things including make movies um where he's appeared with a you know vo voice altered and sheet in front of his face and so forth and his identity at this point is still not known most people don't know who he is um so it is possible to um, even even if you're somebody who is in some way way shape or form in the light, it is possible to hide. It's probably not easy, but it's possible. Yeah, it's a lot um, harder than it may have been in the past, perhaps. Yeah, well, I think, and the spread of information is part of what does that because you know it's it's not like you show up in one place and you know Superman uh, does something in Metropolis. Um, but then he goes home to, to Smallville, and people in Smallville have never seen him, you know. Um, everybody's looking at images constantly. Um, so I think that's the part that makes it unbelievable for us. But I, I just, I wonder if that isn't um, a little bit misplaced. I wonder if actually there is more room to hide in plain sight today than people, uh, people are, are realizing. I think on one level there is because now with social media, there's the possibility of constructing the reality you want people to see versus yes. how things really are. I mean, that's what Facebook does, right? Facebook allows you to create the positive image of yourself that you want everybody to see and edit out all of the negative stuff that is really there. Um, so on one hand, it becomes very easy to construct a secret identity in that kind of a of a culture in a world. Um, on the other hand, I think where it becomes really hard is that everybody now has phones and those phones have cameras. And, um, you know, that was a large part, I think, of the Superman storyline from last year is that, you know, you can't run into an alley and change in a phone booth 
um, before going out to fight crime without somebody being there with a phone and able to snap a picture of what's taking place. So on that level, things get a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's it, it's fascinating the way um, this topic of the secret identity in comic books, but also the the modern phenomena of social media, you know, raises this this question about like, well, who are we really? Who what what is our real identity? And uh, I mean, you know, like you say, uh, social media makes it possible for people to project this false image of themselves. It makes it also has made it harder for people to keep secrets about themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, at just about every week there's a new scandal, you know, um, where, where um, you know, a pastor or a, or a political figure or whatever is found out to have this double life. The secret identity, and it's it's everywhere on social media. Um, um, you know, back in the days of Kennedy, it was a lot easier to hide those kind of secrets. Um, but um, but I, Jesus talked about this idea of projecting a false self. You know, he he, he uh, it's become a, a, a an idea that it just resonates with a lot of people. We we throw it around a lot. The idea of the hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Um, which is he's borrowing that idea from the the actors in Greek theater who wear a mask and, and, and saying, you know, the um, the so-called, uh, you know, self-proclaimed righteous are, are hypocrites. They're actors. They're wearing a mask. They, they project this, uh, you know, public image of holiness and righteousness while inside there's something very different. You know, they're, they're, they're whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Um, you know, and so that's, uh, you know, I think that's even down to the mask that kind of gets at, you know, this idea of the secret identity, uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the verse. You guys can help me out with, with this, um, uh, about, you know, my identity is hidden in Christ. Mm-hmm. Where's yeah, that? Where's that yeah, from? Yeah, Saint Paul says that. Right. And, uh, it's either Ephesians or Corinthians. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But I, that, yeah. that's what that's what's coming to mind because you know we live in an era when technology and everything else has pointed towards identity as something that you that you have to construct and. There are pluses and minuses to that. I mean, people are able to sort of try on different hats and decide what they, who they want to be and what they want to present to the world. But at the same time, there's also a kind of hollowness that can come with this sense that who I am has to be defined by, you know, how I present myself to the world. I think of, you know, being somebody with, I mean, I have, you know, children with special needs and a lot of difficulty with that. And, um, and, you know, I, I look at Facebook and, and I see a lot of pictures and people's families always look perfect in pictures. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and so I'll put up pictures with, with my family and so forth. And, and sometimes I'll look at those pictures and I'll think if I was looking at this from the outside, what I think this also looks, you know, like, is this curated? It's like, here's a curated version of my family life, but I don't usually put up pictures of like, my child screaming at three in the morning 
uh, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and none of us do. Like, we want to sort of present ourselves in a certain way. We want to kind of arrange ourselves in a certain way. And there's a way in which, um, in which that even you know stimulates the pleasure center of the brain to kind of be just you know scrolling through Twitter looking for um, you know things to be offended by or <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is. And and yet, and yet there's that that word from the scripture that my identity is hidden in Christ. The truth of who I am is not something deep within myself that I have to carve out and curate and figure out how to share with other people to gain their approval. The truth about who I am is who Christ claimed me to be. And that reality is not going to be visible in the normal means that things are visible by. It's only going to be visible through the eyes of faith. Yeah, I, I think the scripture that you're thinking of is, is Colossians. Uh, Colossians, chapter yes. Colossians, verse, yeah. you know, yeah. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, and there's a sense in which... Um, Every Christian has a sort of dual identity, you know, the simultaneously just, uh, you know, a sinner and, and, and justified. Um, you know, we have that, that, that dual identity. Um, but who is it, who, which is the identity that we, um, you know, we, 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 uh, we take as our true self. And, and that is the identity that's hidden with Christ and God. It's not always visible. Um, but um, here's the thing. I, I mean, we can, we can seek to hide uh, the, 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 you know, the, the unfortunate truth about ourselves. Um, you know, we could, we could uh, hide behind a mask of, 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 of self-righteousness, or we could walk in the light um, and, and, and be honest about um, the fact that we are sinners and that we uh, are in need of, of, of grace. You know, I think there's something powerful and authentic about that. So in some ways, the, the, the hero that, that um, you know, has, has the courage to step out and say, you know, well, you know, underneath my, uh, my mask, I'm just a normal guy like everybody else. That's really pretty heroic. Now, I, I mean, I understand exactly the reason why, uh, Spider-Man might not want to take his mask off because all of a sudden then Dr. Octopus is at the home of Aunt May, you know. Um, so there, there's reasons for that. But, yeah, I think that that idea of authenticity, of, of just being uh, authentically who we are, is, is a pretty powerful one as well. Yeah, and, and to put it in slightly different language and, some, and to kind of sum up what you guys are saying, we... Um, we live in this world defining who we are by what we do. That's primarily how we identify ourselves, right? Everything is always based on what you do. So you say, who are you? And you say, well, I'm a construction worker or I'm a, you know, a, a bank employee. We define in that way. But the way that, that our, we find our true identity is in um, what God says about us. God defines who we are. In Christ, he tells us, you are forgiven, you are beloved, you are a saint. 
and that becomes our true identity and in that there's abundant freedom right there's a freedom to actually live knowing that we live in a right relationship with god and um and there's no no longer a need to hide behind secrets because we now as you said father matt live in the light we live in freedom yeah think about you know here's another sort of twist on that on this think about a character like the incredible hulk there you have a situation where the secret identity in as much as it's a secret identity is is dr bruce banner that's who he wants to be the hulk is kind of a projection of his worst attributes in a lot of ways right you wouldn't like me when i'm angry (laughs) it's almost like here's the here's the me who i want to be but then I hate the fact that every once in a while something pushes my buttons and this other me comes out. And it's almost like the sinner coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, here yeah. is the terrible whatever that, that comes out of us. <laughs> right. Wild um, it. And so, uh, you know, the, 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 res- the Christian response to that, I suppose, would be something along the lines of um, neither one of those are really you. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, in some senses, yes. In some sense, they both are, but in but in another sense, neither one of them is finally you. Yeah, the real you is who God says you are. Right. That's that becomes the final you. Yeah. And he's he's yet to be revealed. You know, uh, who we are truly will be revealed when Christ appears. Right. Um, and, and and there's this idea of of, of Jesus revealing the truth about himself, too. Um, so just to take it from the other direction, <laughs> the Son of God comes to us incarnate and, and cloaked in a veil uh, of humanity. Um, his his divinity is, is, is hid, is hidden uh, behind his human nature. Um, and, and it's not openly revealed to everyone. In fact... In, in, in the Gospel of Mark in particular, uh, Jesus does quite a bit of legwork to kind of uh, keep up his secret identity. Um, right. uh, he, he tells people, you know, don't tell them who I am. And, and, and of course, just maybe just like in, in the comic books, uh, it's kind of hard to keep a secret identity because it gets out uh, rather mm-hmm. quickly. But what do you guys make of that, um, you know, the... The messianic secret in in, in the Gospels and in, in, in uh, Mark in particular. Well, I always find it hard to believe that people don't get that whenever Jesus puts glasses on and tells people he's Yeshua Kent, that he's <laughs> that he's really Jesus. You know, but that's just me. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole thing with the messianic secret is the fact that Jesus is truly revealed for who he is in the cross and in the resurrection, right? So there's there's a sense of building in that direction in terms of us seeing clearly then who he is. Um, but in the meantime, it's not his time to die. And so there's a sense in which uh, things are kept on the down low until mm. it is time for him to die. There is a yeah. time. There's a time for these things to be held close to the vest, and for us, in a, in a sense, to um, hide in plain sight. And then there is a time to um, to be revealed. 
Um, and I think that um, you can see that in the arc of superhero characters, um, and you can see it, I think, in, in people's lives as well. I mean, not every moment is a moment for you to share your, your most vulnerable self with the world. Mm-hmm. But there is, is and will come a time um, when you do need to share who you really are, maybe not with the whole world, but with, with somebody, and ultimately with God, who is the one who who is the only one who can actually interpret for you, and and actually show you who you really are. Mm-hmm. Hey, that sounds an awful lot like Ecclesiastes. There's a season for everything, right? Really, I thought it sounded an awful lot like the birds, but <laughs> yeah, <you> know, <laughs> yeah. With every season, turn turn. Anybody? No. Okay. Yeah. No, I yeah, I, I I love the birds. Younger listeners, uh, younger listeners, Google that the birds, B Y R D S. Google it. Well, the secret that I have to reveal right now is that we're out of time for this conversation, but uh, it's been a good one, and maybe some of you all would like to share with us your own constructed o- online internet identities. And if that's true, you can do that because we have constructed our own online internet identities, uh, which you can interact with at godandcomics.com. There actually is a link on godandcomics.com to our secret identities, so that's something you can discover there. And uh, on social media, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash godandcomics, or uh, on Twitter, you can tweet at us, we are at godandcomics. Tell us what you think. Uh, follow us, like us, you know, help us to have better self-esteem and feel better about ourselves. Um, we'll really, <laughs> we really appreciate that. Uh, but for now, we are going to uh, leave all self-esteem aside uh, as we go into our final segment, This or That. This or that, this or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Batman or Iron Man, this or that. Spider-Man or Superman, this or that. Boxes or briefs, this or that. DVD or VHS, this or that. Dungeons or Dragons, this and that. Moses or Elijah, this or that. This or that, this or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. All right, here we are with the final this or that of season two. Father Kyle, what do you got for us? All right, let's get down to it. The first one goes to uh, Father Jonathan. John Candy or Bill Murray? I can't say I'm terribly fond of either one of those guys. But I would would probably (laughs) go with Bill Murray um, because I like Ghostbusters. Um, Not, you know, the abomination that is about to be uh, hoisted upon us, but the original (laughs) Ghostbusters. But I can't say that I've ever really... Um, well, no, you know what? John Candy is funny in Spaceballs. I will, I will give him that as Barf the uh, the uh, dog in Spaceballs. Um, but uh, generally speaking, those guys um, just don't, you know, don't strike my funny bone all that much. Really, Uncle Buck? Yeah. Ever the contrarian, Father Jonathan. Yeah, ever I mean, the contrarian. Universally acknowledged as. Uh, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Father Jonathan has a much Father Jonathan. Listen, uh, I'm trying to uh, show you uh, my true self, 
and uh, you're demanding that I take on a secret identity, and uh, I'm just I'm just not going to do that. So. Hey everyone, it's Father Jonathan here by myself in the office at this point. And I'm sorry to say the uh, the this or that that you just heard is all the this or that that you're going to get for this episode because some kind of technical problem uh, somehow erased the rest of the questions, the fine questions that Father Kyle asked. Um, so you will just have to imagine in your head the sort of hilarity that would have ensued. And when you do... Uh, please just laugh out loud. We, we definitely encourage that. But at any rate, we'll be back next season with more this or that um, and uh, with more interesting conversation about comic books, about God, about just about everything else that you can possibly imagine. So until next time, please feel free to visit our website at godandcomics.com. You can check out some of the links to some of the things that we talked about in the episode there, and you can give the episode a download or another listen. You can also subscribe to our show through iTunes. And while you're up on iTunes, please uh, consider giving us a review or a rating. It, it really is uh, helpful to other people finding the show, and we are deeply appreciative every time we see it. Our theme music which is by the Reverend Paul Wheatley. Hopefully you are banging your head to it right this minute. Until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michigan for Father Matt Stromberg and Father Kyle Tomlin. We'll see ya. sorry if you hear a fly in the background we have been bombarded with flies in this house i uh i killed six of them last night and uh and we've got one lone holdout in here who i have yet to get well you should you you should get him confirmed and you'll never see him again yeah that's right